Uh, okay. Uh, hey. Uh, wow. Whoa. Whoa. You just got done uh, listening to me describe the greatest American story of all time. DeAndre Jordan getting locked in his uh, what I assume is a fantastic home. To discuss further, I have the one of the hosts of a fantastic weekly NBA podcast, the greatest of all talk podcast. Put your hands together for Andrew Sharp. Yes, clap while you're driving. What up, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I uh, I'm I also am on house arrest of sorts. <laughs> yeah, we're all on house arrest these days. I just listened to the first half of this podcast, and it was a great reminder. Like you said, one of the great American tales, one of the most ridiculous things that has ever happened in NBA history. And it's funny, like it's seared into my memory, but it it, and it wasn't that long ago. But uh, it is always good to have an excuse to go back and relive like step by step that whole journey. For sure. Same. And I forgot what I forgot over all of this was the emojis. Mm. I forgot that like. Paul Pierce sent that rocket. <laughs> I, I remember seeing the rocket and not understanding what the fuck was going on. I was like, okay, Paul Pierce, somebody gave Paul Pierce a smartphone. Let's fucking get out the way. I'll tell you my story of the emoji gate because I kind of experienced all of it in real time. These days I'm a lawyer, but back then I was working for Grantland and covering NBA free agency. And so DeAndre announces or I, it wasn't DeAndre himself, but like news leaks the day before Emoji Gate that he's going to the Mavs. And the following morning, I was flying out to L.A. to like meet with the Grantland editors and have like three days of meetings and whatnot. And so the night before, I have to write about DeAndre to the Mavs. And I'm kind of thinking about it. I'm like, why the fuck is he doing this? Like the Clippers are pretty good and the Mavs are just going to be kind of depressing and like a, a, a seventh or eighth seed. They're going to pay like $100 million for DeAndre Jordan. Go nowhere. And then I started thinking about it for like DeAndre individually. I'm like, why would you want to leave L.A.? You're like hanging out with Blake Griffin every day. And L.A., if you've got one hundred million dollars, like that's a, a probably the best place in the world to live. One of the best places to have one hundred million dollars for sure. Exactly. You have to have a you have to have one hundred million dollars to even park at the Beverly Center. <laughs> right. Well, because I lived in L.A. too. And I was like, this is kind of shitty. There's a lot of traffic here. But if you've got like one hundred million dollars. You can, you know, helicopter around or just like hang out in Malibu and never leave except to go to Staples Center. Like that's that works, too. So anyways, as I as I wrote all that, like I, I filed my column uh, the day before and then it ran that morning. Basically, my take on all of it was just like, why are they doing this? This seems bad for DeAndre, the Clippers and the Mavs. And this is all kind of depressing. So. Then I get on the flight and I'm just like out of commission for six hours. And by the time I land, it's like noon in L.A. 
And I've got all these tweets from like Mavericks fans hitting me up being like, what the fuck did you do? He's oh, backing you done, out yeah, of the you deal. Done, you done set off a bomb, dude. And it was pre-Wi-Fi on flights? Damn, dude. It, I don't think it was pre-Wi-Fi on flights. I think I was just being lazy and was like, look, I'm not oh, going to sure. do any yeah. work on this hey, flight. Look. Sometimes when I'm on Southwest, nah, I'm not paying the eight, dog. You could keep that. Exactly. I'm going to take a nap. Exactly. Uh, but so anyway, so I'm like catching up on everything. And at that point, I didn't even know you could do what DeAndre did. Like the you talked about the little seven day tampering era or for the seven day tampering window. Every single year, guys agree to deals in that window. And they're all honored by both sides. So like none of it's in writing. So like, yeah, you can legally like back out of it if you really want to. But it's never happened before. Like and certainly at that point, And I don't think it's happened since. So I'm like reading the news being like, how is this even legal? Like, are they really going to go through with this? And then we start with like the cascade of emojis. And it really was one of the things I liked in your the first half as you're telling this story is like I wasn't an emoji guy at that point in my life. Um, I don't think they were like big in popular culture. And then For sure, same. right. And then you've got like CP3 doing the banana boat thing, Blake and like everybody's getting in on it. And uh, obviously from there, it just sort of took on a life of its own. And it, it was funny, like we were all hanging out reading our phones for like the next 12 hours damn dude this was this the thing that set emojis off is this what brought emojis to the forefront it's worth asking the question like from what i understand i think emojis were like a big thing in japan for many years before they took off in america yeah they're just way better at communicating than us <laughs> yeah, clearly well because now i use emojis like every single day uh, and maybe that's all like a credit to DeAndre and the Clippers. Uh, it's just sort of like a guilt tripping him in to stay. It, for sure, dog. And I at that point when it, like when you'd see him on Twitter and then I was I didn't even have a phone for real. So I'm just like on an iPod touch. Oh, no, it was it was a uh, it was a Samsung. And because then I would just see the question mark boxes on my Twitter. Mm. And I'm like, what the fuck are these questions? Is this Mario? Like, what are what is everybody doing with a question mark? And I just decided to, like, be super anti. Like, I don't I don't need those cartoons. <laughs> I mean, that's probably how Paul Pierce felt as he was reading all these emojis. He's probably like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening here? I'm a part of the team, so I'm just going to try to contribute here. But I don't I don't really know what this language is. Man, I want to ask more emoji questions, but I feel like I should talk about something else. Actually, never mind. Nah. What about? OK, so if we're going to give emojis all of this credit, how about some clip art? What about Clippy, the fucking paper clip who would like give you facts on how to like realign your paragraphs honestly it's a good point and it's important for all of us to remember what a struggle microsoft was living for like 10 or 15 years there because their emojis were incredibly whack that's probably why emojis took so long to take off in this country because everybody was thinking like is that that dumbass like paperclip <laughs> art that microsoft has been working with for the last 20 years and so it's really like a credit to Balmer. The Clippers were a big come up for him because prior to this, 
He was just a guy with like $20 billion who was known for Microsoft Zune and the clip art and oh, whatnot. Baby Zune. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm happy for him. I mean, not that anyone with $20 billion needs any help, but the Clippers have been a good rebranding effort for him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, do, is that how Balmer ended up at this sleepover? That's what I, I like. What was Steve Balmer doing there? Um, he was probably just there to be like, yeah, DeAndre, I'm going to sign these checks and we're going to go win a title. The, the funniest pr- part about all of this is that those Clippers teams like Blake and DeAndre were really close. DeAndre, basically everybody in the NBA, from what I can tell, loves DeAndre Jordan. But he and Blake had a really good relationship. But like beyond that, the chemistry was pretty toxic with Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul, but he was like particularly hard on those guys and probably insufferable to be around on yeah. a daily basis. I think he's just, his philosophy is we probably shouldn't be friends. I think that's just, <laughs> I think that's just how he thinks about basketball is just like, no, I, I'm going to play with four guys I hate and the rage is going to improve my like uh, plus minus. And I think like DeAndre and Blake were trying to be more of a family sometimes. And like, they were also just younger. So they were trying to like go out and Chris had kids. And so there were just weird dynamics. Um, So it would have made sense for them to break up. But the reason they couldn't is because like the Clippers were capped out that year. So if they lost DeAndre, they like had no other alternatives. They could, they didn't have money to spend. So I think what happened is like DeAndre was a free agent. Everybody on L.A. just assumed like, yeah, he's not going anywhere and just like didn't recruit him at all. And then he signed that offer sheet with the Mavs or agreed in principle and whatnot. And like the whole team was just like, well, shit, I guess we (laughs) have to go recruit him and take him hostage. And so they like sprung into action You mentioned Balmer. My favorite tweet from that whole affair is like, we're 12 hours into it. And, you know, Paul Pierce has done his his rocket emoji. Chris Paul is on the jet. He left the banana boat behind. And then like, I forget it was some writer for ESPN tweeted out that uh, Mark Cuban was just driving around like some Texas neighborhood looking for DeAndre Jordan and he he couldn't find him and nobody was answering his calls. And it like turned into a romantic comedy in that moment. And that I think put it all over the top. Oh my God. Steve Ballmer is alone in the living room trying to get five Clippers to play Mario Kart with him. They're all in the kitchen doing something else. Mark Cuban is driving around a neighborhood (laughs) half a mile away. He's so close. He has no idea. And he's got a boom box. 
He's about to play like Peter Gabriel out of a boombox for this man. And what's funny about that is I remember in the moment, because I was like with the entire Grantland staff, we were all just like getting drinks, reading this, being like, I cannot believe any of this is real. And um, the, the tweet about Cuban driving around, like nobody could actually figure out whether that was true or not. But by that point in the in the saga, like nobody gave a shit what was true or not. Like the internet had already sort of taken the wheel and was just like seeing this through to its natural, most ridiculous endpoint. Oh my god, I'm I'm kind of glad I wasn't really cracking like that on Twitter at this point because I definitely would have fueled that like fake Mark Cuban yeah. news. Like Mark Cuban, exactly. Saw, I, I saw Mark Cuban crying with a bottle of Boone's Farm in his hand. <laughs> It may have been our first instance of misinformation. This was back when the internet was still fun. Uh, but it, it was kind of wild. I, I Like that whole day, that was when like NBA Twitter took on a life of its own. Um, and because it was still kind of like early days, like earlier that week, we saw we'd seen the photos of CP3 and Mello and LeBron on vacation, like TMZ had it and but all of that stuff was still like fairly new, like the gossip culture around the NBA. Um, but I remember the DeAndre thing just like got so out of hand. You had like Kobe tweeting about it. I saw like Roger Federer tweeting emoji what? jokes with Kobe. And I, I the only reason I remember that is because I was like back in my hotel, just like reading Twitter and being like, how the fuck does Roger Federer know what's going on with DeAndre Jordan? And like, I guess this is like a new frontier of NBA, like popularity and relevance. Yeah. And credit to the Clippers. They never won, but they at least gave us that. For sure. I mean, uh, look, man, if you can't win, it, the least you can do is be relevant. Being relevant, almost as hard as winning a chip. <laughs> Exactly. I I completely agree. And they were entertaining while they lasted. And so like for that reason, I'll always have a soft spot for those Clippers teams, because as we know, like DeAndre came back and then they immediately became like annually disappointing and became like one of the more depressing stories in the league. And I think like by the time the Clippers fell apart, Everybody was like, God, I'm sick of this team. Like everybody needs their own team. But um, I, I, the at their peak, like Lob City was fun and relentlessly entertaining. So it was I, no, yeah, it was nothing like I'd ever seen. And the fact that it was the Clippers, this team that nobody in L.A. wants to exist is like pushing the culture and like they got Federer talking about them. Like it's like a Lakers <laughs> fan's worst nightmare. And they had to just like. Keep like every preseason Lakers fans buttholes would get tighter because they were like, you know what? The Clippers are going to win and we're going to have to like I'm going to have to see some dude on the train in a Clippers hat and I'm not going to know how to act. But then they never did. It was like the Clippers scared them more than they ever had. But then also at the end of the year, you get the video of Snoop Dogg yelling at Clipper Daryl when they don't (laughs) win. So it's like Christmas all over again. Last thing I want to ask you before I leave. So DeAndre didn't go to the Mavs. How is the NBA different if this deal actually happens? Does does Hillary win? <laughs> like what changes? What is the butterfly effect with DeAndre in Dallas? 
That is a good question. No, it's a little bit of a shot at, at both the Clippers and the Mavs because, like, as much fun as this entire free agency was, no, neither team ended up mattering through, like, the second half of the decade. Like, that's when the Warriors started to take over. LeBron was in Cleveland. So I think, like, probably Hillary still loses in 2016. Damn. Steph still takes over the world. Um, I, unfortunately, KD probably still goes to Golden State. Um, I wish DeAndre had enough juice to like really move the needle for the entire league. But I think ultimately he like is is a tier below where that where those guys would be. Uh, and on that <laughs> note, uh, Andrew Sharp, folks, please listen to Greatest of All Talk podcast one more time. Andrew Sharp, y'all. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and stretch three on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer, and a man heavily invested in rec specs. Daniel Hardigan is our script editor and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. Devin Shepard is our production coordinator and the only one who makes sure we all get on the team bus on time. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers, and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time.